Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. Hey everyone, uh, today we are very honored and really pleased to have the rock star of Popcorn uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, America. She's nominated Best Female Search Marketer of the Year in 2017 by uh, Search Engine Land. So uh, she's a NYC based creative and passionate SEO professional, originally from the Bay Area. So please uh, stop me if I don't say anything wrong no, about uh, what I'm reading off of LinkedIn. <laughs> I grew up, uh, you grew up in a family of software engineers, uh, technical writers, and web developers, uh, and uh, have been fully immersed in the uh, tech industry yeah, mm -hmm. uh, since you were a kid. So uh, we can actually ask you a few questions uh, later about uh, backtracking all the way back, like uh, uh, how was your grow, growing up life uh, in NYC uh, was, and also uh, how did you finally land in this role, you know, in your current company. And uh, of course, you are the director of uh, SEO at Path Interactive, which is a really awesome company. And uh, your skills uh, include SEO analytics, uh, WordPress development, content marketing, so on and so forth. So. So many things to dive right into, but the one that really uh, grabbed our attention yesterday was uh, the blog that you published, uh, which I saw on LinkedIn, yeah? And it was really fascinating for, for all of us, uh, especially those who are attending PopCorn. But uh, we are stuck at our booth all day, so we were unable to, you know, get out uh, of the hall and uh, check out some of the interesting content that you delivered, you know, during this uh, duration of the conference. And the thing that uh, you delivered and uh, talked to the audience about is about EAT. So maybe we'll just dive right into that topic, since it's hot off the press. Tell us uh, why EAT is something that uh, SEO industry professionals should be concerned or not concerned with. Sure. Yeah, so Google's rolled out a couple, not a couple, at this point probably like five major core algorithm updates in the past two years or so. Um, obviously they've done updates before that, but what's been interesting about the updates of the past year really since August 1st of last year, is uh, what the SEO community pretty much, not unanimously, but a lot of us agree, is focused on EAT. So a lot of the websites that are getting hit um, are websites that fall into what Google calls the YMYL category, which is your money, your life. So these are websites that can impact your health or financial success or your well-being or your safety or anything like that. Um, and a lot of these sites are seeing really major fluctuations with these algorithm updates. Um, so if you look at Google's quality rater guidelines, which is what they encourage you to look at when you've been hit by an algorithm update, you'll see this pervasive topic of EAT throughout a lot of the, the guidelines. Um, and so what Marie Haynes, who I spoke with, and myself, and a lot of other SEOs who are working on sites that have been affected are seeing is the potential lack of EAT on these sites or just opportunities to improve EAT. That's really awesome. And uh, you mentioned about uh, there are some things that are good to have and some things that are not really that relevant, right? So uh, maybe uh, for a start, uh, can you tell us what EAT is not? Yeah, and I talked about that in my presentation yesterday because there's been a lot of misconceptions, a lot of misconstruing kind of happening in the past year or so. Um, so EAT is not something that Google has confirmed as a ranking factor the way that they have with like page speed or HTTPS or using keywords in your title tags or your domain name or things like that. It's much more indirect than that. So again, it's something that's in the quality guidelines. Human, human evaluators that Google hires use EAT as a criteria for measuring the quality of content. And that feedback is then benchmarked and used in Google's algorithms. So in a way it's indirect, but it's not like a direct ranking factor where you can just add some EAT components to your page and expect an immediate impact in performance. 
Um, and yeah, it's something that takes a lot of time. So I think a lot of the misconceptions are like, oh, I added an author bio to my content and I added a an, you know, little bit of a biography about that person, but I'm not seeing an immediate impact in my performance. So it's something that takes time. Um, unfortunately, it's not like some other SEO tactics where you might be able to fix something technical and see performance the next week or something like that. Yep. It takes a lot more time. Um, so yeah. That's really awesome. And uh, you did a really uh, comprehensive analysis uh, using uh, your methodology. Mm -hmm. So I'm um, looking uh, right at the, the blog uh, that you published yesterday. Uh, so many amazing studies as well as uh, uh, investigation into this topic. Sure. So during this uh, entire uh, study phase, uh, what is the biggest takeaway for you personally when mm -hmm. you are doing this study? Yeah, so in the study, um, my team and I looked at 64 different websites that were affected and we wanted to look at all the different potential on-page elements that might play into EAT performance. Um, and one thing we were really curious about was for YMYL websites, particularly medical websites, because the majority of websites that we analyzed and that we think were hit by these updates fall into the medical and kind of health space. Um, we wanted to see the interplay between promotional content or transactional content on informational content. So using healthline.com as an example, they're one of the biggest winners in the past couple of years. Uh, I think they're the, actually the largest market shareholder in the health space right now online. Um, they have a very clear distinction between their informational content and their transactional content. So they don't have a call to action at the bottom of a page where they're talking about cancer treatment, where they say, if you have cancer, think about purchasing this supplement or this product. They never do anything like that. Um, but some of the websites that were hit do have that kind of interplay where you're reading content about medical conditions, but then at the bottom of the page, it's kind of encouraging you to buy a book or buy a product. And that seems like Google's not liking that combination anymore. Yeah. So uh, all these are really interesting takeaways, especially for our community listeners. Uh, most of them are in Asia, and uh, they are not here physically to uh, see you present this awesome topic, uh, but uh, this uh, blog uh, will help them a long way to yeah. find out more about EAT uh, for the first time. So awesome. um, maybe uh, we'll dive a little bit more into uh, this topic later on. Uh, let's uh, maybe uh, redirect the questions uh, into uh, content marketing. Sure. So uh, what's your latest take uh, and also uh, based on the, the updates? Uh, how do you find the future of uh, content marketing in sure. the next couple of years? Sure. Well, it's becoming increasingly hard to rank. There's more and more competition. There's trillions of documents on Google that are all competing with one another. So, you know, you have to be, I think a lot of publishers and a lot of companies over the past few years have got it in their heads that you need to just continuously produce content because it's good for SEO. So what's, what's happened with that is there's been just an explosive increase in the amount of pages that are out there. And many of them are not valuable, many of them are not helpful. And one thing that the analysis that we did for this presentation kind of confirmed is that, especially if you're YMYL, it doesn't work to just have a few hundred words that don't really go in depth about the topic that you're writing about. Um, it doesn't work to not have links to the high quality sources where you got that content from. So especially if you're YMYL, if you're writing about medicine or financial topics or anything like that, you really want to look at what's currently ranking for the keywords that you're trying to rank for and see the depth of content, see how the content is structured, see if your competitors are linking to external publications and what those publications are, bring in experts to review that content, put their names behind it. So it's almost like when you're in school and you're writing a term paper and you have all these kind of criteria for how the you know, a teacher is looking for the fact that you did a, re a really well-researched 
paper, right? Yeah. You have a bibliography. You have all this stuff. You kind of have to do the same thing for the web now. That's really awesome. Um, for me, I'm uh, diversifying uh, a little, you know, and uh, basically concentrating more of my time on podcasts mm-hmm. or maybe uh, on social media as well and also posting stuff on Instagram stories and Facebook and uh, doing less and less blogging. So uh, do you think uh, what I'm doing is correct? What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, I think you're, what you're doing is definitely correct. Um, as I mentioned before, there's more and more competition on with written text, you know, on SEO and things like that. Um, I think pretty much everyone that I've spoken to that's kind of moving into more like podcast or video is seeing really tremendous results with it. I was just talking to someone last night who's like, I just started to publish my thoughts around marketing in a video format. And I was surprised to see how well this took off, you know, and you have things like TikTok and obviously YouTube and younger generations love this stuff. So I think that moving to podcast and video is a very smart decision. Since you mentioned TikTok, I'm going to ask you some questions about TikTok. Are you on TikTok? I'm not, but I have a 10-year-old stepson, so I get a little bit of exposure to it. Ah, yeah. my daughter is also 10-year-old, okay. and uh, she uses that uh, to communicate with her classmates. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. So uh, amazing. One of the biggest takeaway or uh, things I like about TikTok is that I can do video editing on yeah. my mobile phone. Yeah. And some of them looks like uh, it's something that's done on MacBook Pro, uh, using yeah. a really high-performance uh, video editing tool uh, to amazing. do it. So it's, it's really pretty interesting uh, yeah. uh, next few years uh, in this uh, industry, especially uh, for content creation and content sure. marketing. Sure. So maybe uh, let's move on a little bit more and deep dive into your career. But before that, backtrack a little bit further. Where did you grow up? I, I understand uh, New York City, right? So I didn't grow up in New York City. My parents did. My parents are both from New York ah. City. Um, they raised me in the Bay Area. So I'm a Bay Area kid, Silicon Valley. Awesome. But I grew up in Marin, which is just north of San Francisco. Um, but yeah, my dad actually literally moved to Silicon Valley to be part of a tech boom. So I kind of grew up right in there. He worked at Sun Microsystems and later Oracle, helped develop, not directly, but was on the team that worked to develop Java, the programming language. So I had a awesome. lot of uh, Java-themed things in my house <laughs> growing up. It's pretty cool. So it's in the blood, yeah? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So uh, uh, you're based in NYC right now? Correct. And yep. uh, you founded uh, the company Pop Directive? I didn't find it. It's, um, mm. it's, I didn't start it, rather. It's, it's a company that I joined about a year and nine months ago. Yeah. I've known them for probably six or seven years at this point. Really fantastic agency. I'm so lucky to work there. Um, but yeah, I just joined as SEO director last year. That's really yeah. awesome. Yeah. And uh, um, do you ever um, envision a time when links are less important uh, to the way that Google ranks sites? Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, I think that's been happening little by little, and they've kind of said that. You know, they're still important, but maybe not as important as they used to be. Um, there's a lot of debate about this. I think, um, you know, so, some people have the, the notion that maybe if you have low quality or spammy links or just a lot of the scraping that might happen on the Internet, like you don't have to focus on that so much anymore because Google's becoming more sophisticated with understanding that there's a lot of spam on the Internet and really just trying to focus on high-quality, trustworthy links when they're kind of factoring links into your organic performance. Um, So I think Google is saying it's less important. There's a lot of evidence to prove that it's still very important. Um, For example, I ran a survey on Twitter a couple weeks ago about disavowing. And I said, is this still effective for you? Are you still seeing results from this? And the majority of people said that either, yes, it's had a direct positive impact when I disavowed, or I think it did. So I think in the future they'll become less important, but I do think that currently it's still something to focus on. So uh, let's head away uh, from that topic again <laughs> and go uh, into your business career. Um, what have been the uh, riskiest move that you have uh, taken and did it pay off? Hmm. Interesting. 
Well, I've actually only been really doing SEO in my professional career. I'm only 29, so I started 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> but I think what was interesting was when I started, uh, I had the opportunity to do an unpaid internship at like more of a traditional marketing agency or the opportunity to move full-time into SEO for a very low-paid position at the time, basically doing black hat SEO. Um, and I actually called my dad and like a couple other mentors and I was like, should I just kind of stick on this track of doing the traditional thing and like trying to work at this big marketing agency and not getting paid? And they're like, you know what, that job where you're doing SEO and you're kind of breaking things and trying things and you're getting paid, just get your foot in the door and start doing that. So I'm actually, it was a risk um, and it was a very low paid salary as far as New York is concerned, but best decision I ever made. Wow, that's really yeah. inspirational for those who uh, want uh, to rough it out uh, in the beginning. Think yeah. about this as a long-term play. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for, for your career, um, do you think that uh, there are things that you might uh, want to do differently? Or are there things that uh, you think uh, you are really successful at that uh, you want to even do more of? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been um, in a position where I've been either directly working on clients' accounts for SEO or and or managing people um, on my team. Currently, there's about 14 people on my team, so I act as the director for the, for the department. Um, but lately, I've been moving a lot more into like thought leadership and speaking and, and writing and publishing, uh, which brings me a lot of enjoyment. I really, you know, I really like contributing my thoughts to the industry. Um, a lot of people say, hey, you just came out of nowhere. I'm like, I've been here. I just haven't been writing very much. I've been focusing on my clients. You know? been here 10 years. Yeah. It's been, for me, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking in the future to see how I can balance my love of, like, really working on clients and getting my hands dirty and learning new things with, you know, trying to balance that with time to do, like, thought leadership and, and producing content. What would be your tips uh, for someone else uh, who may be entering the industry, newbies, yeah. uh, especially if they're wondering what they should be prioritizing in the world of SEO world, since there are a lot that you can do? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there's so much content out there now about SEO, and as we all know, not all of it's great. So sometimes people put out bad advice out there, people latch onto it, there's a lot of myths in the SEO world. So what I would say is to... Find a handful of authors and, and publishers and SEO influencers that we all kind of agree are good people to follow. Um, you know, there's some pretty unanimous, like, yes, this person's great. We love their content. Obviously, follow the Google people because they're coming straight from the horse's mouth. Um, yeah. But make sure to, um, you know, vet the, the content that you're reading cross-reference it with what the more reputable publications are saying. And then my, my number one piece of advice for anybody that I manage, like new SEO team members, is to just start your own website, whether it be a WordPress site, even a Squarespace or Wix site, like just anything where you can get your hands dirty and you can start to learn like how the different CMS platforms are, what their capabilities are with SEO. Um, ideally, you'll literally create an HTML and CSS website from scratch. Even if it looks terrible, you have that experience of launching a website and buying a domain. Because if you're not doing those things and you start to talk about SEO and you've never actually built a website before, there starts to become a big disconnect when you speak with your clients and it becomes more and more of an issue over time. That's really brilliant advice. Uh, I think for our community listeners, the, that's a lot of value that you're providing to them. What's your most important advice about life and marketing? Life and marketing. Um, I mean, with life, I would say 
you know, work-life balance is important. It's important to focus on your family and friends and try to make time for yourself. Uh, SEO can be a very overwhelming trade because it happens 24-7. And what's interesting is, like, when you start to make connections with people in Europe or in Asia, if you're here in the States, you know, when you're going to bed, they're all waking up and sharing really cool content. <laughs> and so it's, a lot of the times I find myself in midnight in New York, like, I'm going to bed. And then I start reading everything, the things people are publishing the next day in Europe. I'm like, oh, no. You can hear your eyes yeah. off the screen, right? Yeah. And then, you know, I start lately, I've been having trouble sleeping, honestly, because there's so much going on in the SEO world is keeping me up at night. So I guess my advice would be try to make time for yourself. Try to make time for other things that are important to you yeah. and take a break from the phones and the computers and... Do some good things for your mental health. And connect, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's really important. Yeah. So uh, um, next question would be, uh, how would you like to be remembered in your career legacy? Oh, that's a cool question. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'd like to be um, someone that people considered was just coming up with smart ideas that other people maybe weren't having or just a unique perspective on things. Um, and I don't know. I guess we'll see where the future takes us. I'm not quite sure about that yet. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's always a big problem, especially in the agency side, right? Um, in terms of, like you also mentioned, that uh, sometimes it's hard to uh, sleep early because of all the things that are happening in the SEO world. Yeah. Do you think it's still a big problem in the industry? Hours? Long hours? Yeah. I mean, it depends where you live, actually. Um, I, as I mentioned, I'm from San Francisco, and I live in New York. My understanding is that, I'm not sure if this is totally applicable for SEO, but for example, my brother's a web developer in San Francisco, and he has a much better work-life balance than I do, and he kind of, it makes it, he makes it sound like that's pretty common in San Francisco, there's a better work-life balance than somewhere like New makes York. Makes you want to move there, right? Well, I'm from there, so I'm, I'm fine, <laughs> but um, yeah, other places seem to have a better work-life balance than New York. Um, in New York, we don't, it's totally, you know, stereotypical, a city that doesn't sleep, we just kind of keep going at all hours. The work kind of never stops, but it's part of the culture there. We work hard and play hard, so. That's really awesome. Then how do you uh, stay fresh, sharp, and also creative and on top of a game? Uh, do you have any athletic pursuit or do you indulge in music or media or shows or books? Yes, um, I work out almost every day. Every day? About five days a week, four to five days a week, yeah. And then I bike, I bike a lot. Um, and then music, yeah, I'm a DJ at night, so I uh, play wow. music periodically. You're in tech I, and you do music? Yes. I've How been, awesome is that? I've been doing music since I was a kid. I, uh, uh -huh. I started playing drums when I was six years old. Joined oh, me too. Really? Play yeah. drums? Your like favorite drummer? Um, I like John Bonham. Yeah. That's Evelyn. Okay. Yeah, I, like, I, I love Danny Carey, Tool. Oh, from Tool? Yeah. Yeah. They're on the road again. <laughs> I'm going to watch them uh, next, uh, next Sunday, I think, at the Stable Center in nice. LA. Nice. That'll be fun. <laughs> That'll be fun. That'll be really fun. What kind of stuff do you DJ? Um, I mean, is it uh, like Clubhouse or Dread Techno, which is like a big thing in <laughs> Berlin right now? Berlin is one of my main sources of inspiration in the world, for sure. Um, just was there last month. Berlin? Yes. <laughs> there last so month. I'm sure you managed to get in no problem, right? We have a good friend that has got us on the guest list. I have to know great. your good friends. Because I was rejected <laughs> uh, three times for yes. being too happy. Oh, yep. Can't be happy. Can't be happy. No right? happiness at Bergheim. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, I play house music and techno and disco and that's pretty much it. So when is your next uh, gig or engagement where it's not about technology, where you're not speaking about technology, but you're actually playing DJ 
as a DJ set in front of a live audience. When is that? I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, I have probably the biggest performance of my career coming up on November 30th in New York, in Brooklyn. I will be opening for my favorite DJ in the world named Michael Mayer. And I am so honored and blessed to be opening for him. So that'll be at Elsewhere in Brooklyn. So that's going to be like uh, 20,000 people who's going to show up? That's a bit much. Probably... (laughs) Probably several hundred to a thousand, maybe. Still so big. Still pretty big, yeah. So it's going to be your biggest audience ever, right? Um, maybe not technically, but it's more just the lineup itself. I'm in the presence of DJ legends that I've been following and loving for many years, so I was very blessed that they asked me to play. So we're going to definitely go towards the direction of music and um, you know creativity because that's a subject that a lot of uh, people in this industry can relate to. Because uh, most of the younger uprising, uh, you know, rising new SEO professionals, they fully believe in work-life balance. They, yeah. they also know the uh, intersection of music, film, media, and technology mm-hmm. better than those who have been in the industry for such a long time. For sure. So what did you um, get out of doing music or performing as a DJ? Yeah. And how does it actually affect or even improve uh, your work, uh, your day job, you know, sure. as a SEO professional? For sure, that's a great question. Um, When I started playing in bands and rock bands, I was like 13 years old, and I figured out a way to play in my bands at night and go to school during the day, and I was very academic. I had really good grades, Um, but that was kind of this agreement that I developed with my parents where it was like, okay, my kid's in a rock band, and she's playing in San Francisco nightclubs, and she's 16 years old, but she gets good grades, so I guess she can do both at the same time. It's like, see? Yeah, so (laughs) that kind of became like my MO where I go do music at night, kind of indulge a little bit. I don't think about my work too much. I socialize. I like being around people. And then I go back to work and I feel refreshed. So for me, it's always been a creative outlet, a social outlet. And I don't know that I would be as successful at work or in school or wherever if, if it wasn't for having that kind of release in the evenings. Yeah. That's a really brilliant answer. I was talking to the organizer of a pop conference earlier today and she mentioned that there are um, increasing uh, focus on the mental health. Especially, uh, uh, last year, we had uh, four SEO professional uh, deaths yeah. or suicides. Yeah. So uh, it's important to uh, maybe focus more on this topic than just always talk about technology, technology updates. and. Uh, People forget the meaning of life, right? Yeah. So uh, It's really cool that Search Engine Journal has been doing, uh, I think it's weekly, they're doing a column about um, improving mental health, which is really cool. So your positivity uh, uh, topics that you deliver, uh, especially in conferences, uh, do you talk uh, a lot about these topics uh, besides all the technology updates? I don't really talk about it so much. That would be a cool kind of place to go and go into moving forward. But, you know, I always kind of encourage people to try to take care of themselves and take a break and... You know, maybe take a few hours every night while you're not thinking about SEO and doing something nice for yourself or spending time with your family or reading or taking a bath. Or, you know. or go to Brooklyn and catch a fellow SEO professional that play helps. a live DJ set, right? That's something to uh, take your mind off work for a while. For sure, yeah. That's definitely very healthy. And cool. So my next question would definitely be this. Uh, how do you come back from a crisis? Like a personal crisis or a work crisis? Both? Um, yeah, I think... Well, I had a, a few um, kind of personal crises when I was a teenager. So I had a couple deaths, uh, including my stepmom when I was 18. And uh, that same night, we kind of, we knew she was going to die. It was kind of, a, uh, you know, she was in a situation where she was comatose for a few days. And that night I, I went and played music with my band, which was maybe an unconventional thing to do when you're dealing with a, a fresh loss of someone you love very much. But 
you have to keep pushing forward and you have to keep doing things that bring you joy and for me, the, you know, the way that I dealt with that was to be around people that I love very much. And I think that really helped me kind of cope and process everything. So you know, I try to avoid getting into a situation where maybe you're not surrounding yourself with people or you know, beating yourself up with negative thoughts. But for me, I'm an extroverted person, so I like to just kind of be around other people. Yeah. 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 That's really impressive. Um, we're going to end this uh, podcast episode uh, with our last segment, which is a speed round of questions. So try not to overthink your answers. Okay. So are you ready? Sure, let's do it. A brand that you cannot uh, live without? Fluvog. John Fluvog. Shoes. Your favorite advertisement ever? <sighs> uh, I, I like that Gillette's shaving ad. It's pretty controversial, but that was a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. What marketing campaign do you really love or admire right now? Um... Oh, there's a good one on the New York City subway, which is um, the seamless advertisements. They're really funny. You should look those up. Do you think that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are the best marketers in the world? I personally try to ignore them, so I'm going to go with no. (laughs) Great answer. Best agency uh, you ever worked with? Path Interactive. Of course. Um, How do you uh, find uh, the right brands to maybe support uh, when it comes to uh, making impulsive choices or purchases? Yeah, I mean, I think if brands are forthcoming with their values and trying to do good things for the planet and maybe donating, donating to charity or things of that nature, I try to support those brands. Can you remember the first brand that had an impact on you when you were a kid? <sighs> oh, probably Tama, the drums, drum company. Your favorite uh, rock band from the 90s? Nirvana. Me too. Your favorite Nirvana album? Come as you are. Is that the name of it? What's the name of it? Nevermind. That's from Nevermind. Never Nevermind. Mind. Never mind. Yeah. I was Mine a is kid. bleach. <laughs> bleach, nice. Yeah, because it's raw. It's yeah. dirty. So okay, next one. Um, uh, New York, of course. Uh, San Francisco or LA? New York. Good answer. Cardio, weights, or yoga? Cardio. Podcasts or vlogs? Podcast. Cola or lemonade? Lemonade. Top three DJs that you love or admire right now? Michael Mayer. Delano Smith. And I just saw Kink last weekend, so I'll say Kink. Can you tell us uh, the uh, date again of uh, the DJ set you'll be performing and also your next speaking engagement so that all our community listeners can come out? Chillax, listen to you, play live, awesome. and learn some uh, technology updates. Yeah, uh, November 30th at Elsewhere in Brooklyn is my gig, uh, my DJ gig, and then I will be speaking at Onward in New York, which is October 30th, and then followed by SMX East, which I believe is November 13th. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. We learned so much from you, especially about EAT. I want to deep dive more on that, but I think uh, we should just uh, ask our listeners to just check out your blog, which sure. is Fantastic, yeah? thank you. And uh, you have a great week ahead. It's been an honor and pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Lily. All right, thanks. Thanks.